Unshackled of Pacific Garden Mission presents History's Greatest Sermons, where we share the personal history of godly men who brought forth the truth of the gospel in powerful sermons to a world long ago. And now, here are your hosts, Tim Lundeen and Kelly Robbins. Hey, welcome back to History's Greatest Sermons. Before we go on, I want to remind you to check out previous episodes on our Unshackled app. You can also visit our website, unshackled.org. Kelly, it's good to see you again. Thanks, and you? Doing well, doing well. You know, we're starting a kitchen renovation project. Okay. Sometimes these home projects cause a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And in my world, stress sometimes gets to me physically. Yes. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. Sometimes it gets into me physically. Today, we're going to hear from John Charles Ryle, or J.C. Ryle. I don't know where he got the cool uh, nickname. Maybe back then because of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Like part the, of the letters deal. was a thing. Multiple oh, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple names. He was born in England in 1816. He attended school in Eton and Oxford. He excelled in athletics, but, especially rowing and cricket. Yeah. But big time. Other than the fact that I know virtually nothing about those two sports, he got sick mm-hmm. or had some kind of chest infection or something was wrong with him physically. He yeah. couldn't pursue sports. Well, that sounds familiar. A lot of these ministers started there for some reason. Yes. Um, he also wanted to get involved in politics, but again, in studying law and going through all that, he kept getting sick and it was stopping him from pursuing what he really wanted to pursue, but it led him to the ministry. And this is what he said. I have not the least doubt it was all for the best. If I had not been ruined, I should never have been a clergyman, never have preached a sermon or written a tract or book. Interesting. Yes. He retired at the age of 83 in 1900. And he died later that same year. So done and done. Yeah. And how like the Lord to herd us to cut off our other options, to take away that which we thought we were going to do and drive us towards him. Possibly. Closing doors we wanted to be open, only to open other doors. Yep. Well, here, what we're going to hear are two of his tracts that are brought to life as sermons. Mm-hmm. And the tracts are called, Are You Ready? and Fire, Fire. I ask you a plain question at the beginning of a new year. Are you ready? It is a solemn thing to part company with the old year. It is a still more solemn thing to begin a new one. It is like entering a dark passage. We know not what we may meet before the end. All before us is uncertain. We know not what a day may bring forth, much less what may happen in a year. Reader, are you ready? Are you ready for sickness? You cannot expect to always be well. You have a body fearfully and wonderfully made. It is awful to think how many diseases may assail it. Strange that a harp of a thousand strings should keep in tune so long. Pain and weakness are a hard trial. They can bow down the strong man and make him like a child. They can weary the temper and exhaust the patience and make men cry in the morning. Would God it were evening, and in the evening, would God it were morning. All this may come to pass this very year. Your reason may be shattered. Your senses may be weakened. Your nerves may be unstrung. The very grasshopper may become a burden. Reader, if sickness comes upon you, are you ready? Are you ready for affliction? Man, says the scripture, is born to sorrow. This witness is true. Your property may be taken from you. 
Your riches may make themselves wings and flee away. Your friends may fail you. Your children may disappoint you. Your servants may deceive you. Your character may be assailed. Your conduct may be misrepresented. Troubles, annoyances, vexations, anxieties may surround you on every side like a host of armed men. Wave upon wave may burst over your head. You may feel worn and worried and crushed to the dust. Reader, if affliction comes upon you, are you ready? Are you ready for bereavements? No doubt there are those in the world that you love. There are those whose names are graven on your heart and round whom your affections are entwined. There are those who are the light of your eyes and the very sunshine of your existence. But they are all mortal. Any one of them may die this year. Before the daisies blossom again, any one of them may be lying in the tomb. Your Rachel may be buried. Your Joseph may be taken from you. Your dearest idol may be broken. Bitter tears and deep mourning may be your portion. Before December, you may feel terribly alone. Reader, if bereavement comes upon you, are you ready? Are you ready for death? It must come someday. It may come this year. You cannot live always. This very year may be your last. You have no freehold in this world. You have not so much as a lease. You are nothing better than a tenant at God's will. Your last sickness may come upon you and give you notice to quit. The doctor may visit you and exhaust his skill over your case. Your friends may sit by your bedside and look graver and graver every day. You may feel your own strength gradually wasting and find something saying within, I shall not come down from this bed, but die. You may see the world slipping from beneath your feet and all your schemes and plans suddenly stopped short. You may feel yourself drawing near to the coffin and the grave and the worm and an unseen world and eternity and God. Reader, if death should come upon you, are you ready? Are you ready for the second coming of Christ? He will come again to this world one day. As surely as he came the first time, 1800 years ago, so surely will he come the second time. He will come to reward all his saints who have believed in him and confessed him upon earth. He will come to punish all his enemies, the careless, the ungodly, the impenitent, and the unbelieving. He will come very suddenly at an hour when no man thinketh as a thief in the night. He will come in terrible majesty, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. A flaming fire shall go before him, the dead shall be raised, the judgment shall be set, the books shall be opened. Some shall be exalted into heaven, many, very many, shall be cast down to hell. The time for repentance shall be past, many shall cry, Lord, Lord, open to us, but find the door of mercy closed forever. After this, there will be no change. Reader, if Christ should come the second time this year, are you ready? Oh, reader, these are solemn questions. They ought to make you examine yourself. They ought to make you think. It would be a terrible thing to be taken by surprise. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
But shall I leave you here? I will not do so. Shall I raise searchings of the heart and not set before you the way of life? I will not do so. Hear me for a few moments while I try to show you the man that is ready. He that is ready has a ready savior. He has Jesus ever ready to help him. He lives the life of faith in the Son of God. He has found out his own sinfulness and fled to Christ for peace. He has committed his soul and all its concerns to Christ's keeping. If he has bitter cups of affliction to drink, he knows they are mixed by the hand that was nailed to the cross for his sins. If he is called to die, he knows that the grave is the place where the Lord lay. If those whom he loves are taken away, he remembers that Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and a husband who never dies. If the Lord should come again, he knows that he has nothing to fear. The judge of all will be that very Jesus who has washed his sins away. Happy is the man who can say with Hezekiah, the Lord was ready to save me. Isaiah 38 verse 20. He that is ready has a ready heart. He has been born again and renewed in the spirit of his mind. The Holy Ghost has shown him the true value of all here below and taught him to set his afflictions on things above. The Holy Ghost has shown him his own deserts and made him feel that he ought to be thankful for everything and satisfied with any condition. If affliction comes upon him, his heart whispers, there must be a needs be. I deserve correction. It is meant to teach me some useful lesson. If bereavement comes upon him, his heart reminds him that the Lord gave and the Lord must take away whenever he sees fit. If death draws near, his heart says, my times are in thy hand, as thou wilt, when thou wilt, and where. If the Lord should come, his heart would cry, This is the day I have longed prayed for. The kingdom of God is come at last. Blessed is he who has a ready heart. He that is ready has a home ready for him in heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ has told him that he is gone to prepare a place for him. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, awaits him. He has not yet come to his full inheritance. His best things are yet to come. He can bear sickness for yet a little time, for he shall have a glorious body. He can bear losses and crosses, for his choicest treasures are far beyond the reach of harm. He can bear disappointments, for the springs of his greatest happiness can never be made dry. He can think calmly of death. It will open a door for him from the lower house to the upper chamber, even the presence of the king. He is immortal till his work is done. He can look forward to the coming of the Lord without alarm. He knows that they who are ready will enter in with him to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Happy is that man whose lodging is prepared for him in the kingdom of Christ. Reader. Do you know anything of the things I have just spoken of? 
Do you know anything of a ready Savior, a ready heart, and a ready home in heaven? Examine yourself honestly. How does the matter stand? Oh, be merciful to your own soul. Have compassion on that immortal part of you. Do not neglect its interests for the sake of mere worldly objects. Business, pleasure, money, politics will soon be done with forever. Do not refuse to consider the question I ask you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Reader, if you are not ready, I beseech you to make ready without delay. I tell you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that all things are ready on God's part for your salvation. The Father is ready to receive you. The Lord Jesus Christ is ready to wash your sins away. The Spirit is ready to renew and sanctify you. Angels are ready to rejoice over you. Saints are ready to hold out the right hand to you. Oh, why not make ready this very year? Reader, if you have reason to hope, you are ready. I advise you to make sure. Walk more closely with God. Get nearer to Christ. Seek to exchange hope for assurance. Seek to feel the witness of the Spirit more closely and distinctly every year. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. Press towards the mark more earnestly. Fight a better fight and war a better war for every year you live. Pray more, read more, mortify self more, love the brethren more. Oh, that you may endeavor so to grow in grace every year, that your last things may be far more than your first, and the end of your Christian course far better than the beginning. When a house is on fire, what ought to be done first? We ought to give the alarm and wake the inhabitants. This is true love to our neighbor. This is true charity. Reader, I love your soul and want it to be saved. I am therefore going to tell you something about hell. There is such a place as hell. Let no one deceive you with vain words. What men do not like, they try hard not to believe. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes to judge the world, he will punish all who are not his disciples with a fearful punishment. All who are found impenitent and unbelieving, all who have clung to sin, stuck to the world, and set their affections on things below, all who are without Christ, all such shall come to an awful end. Whosoever is not written in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20.15. The punishment of hell shall be most severe. There is no pain like that of burning. Put your finger in the candle for a moment if you doubt this and try. Fire is the most destructive and devouring of all elements. Look into the mouth of a blast furnace and think what it would be to be there. Fire is of all elements most opposed to life. Creatures can live in air and earth and water, but nothing can live in fire. Yet, fire is the portion to which the Christless and unbelieving will come. They will be cast into the lake of fire. The punishment of hell will be eternal. Millions of ages will pass away, and the fire will never burn low and become dim. The fuel of that fire will never waste away and be consumed. It is unquenchable fire. 
O oh, reader, these are the sad and painful things to speak of. I have no pleasure in dwelling on them. I could rather say with the Apostle Paul, I have great sorrow, but they are things written for our learning and it is good to consider them. They are part of that scripture which is all profitable and they ought to be heard. Painful as the subject of hell is, it is one about which I dare not, cannot, and must not be silent. Who would desire to speak of hellfire if God has not spoken of it? When God has spoken of it so plainly, who can safely hold his peace? I dare not shut my eyes to the fact that a deep-rooted infidelity lurks in men's minds on the subject of hell. I see it oozing out in the utter apathy of some. They eat and drink and sleep as if there was no wrath to come. I see it creeping forth in the coldness of others about their neighbors' souls. They show little anxiety to awaken the unconverted and pluck brands from the fire. I desire to denounce such infidelity with all my might, believing that there are terrors of the Lord as well as the recompense of reward. I call on all who profess to believe the Bible to be on their guard. I know that some do not believe there is any hell at all. They think it impossible there can be such a place. They call it inconsistent with the mercy of God. They say it is too awful an idea to be really true. The devil, of course, rejoices in the views of such people. They help his kingdom mightily. They are preaching up his old favorite doctrine. Ye shall not surely die. I know furthermore that some do not believe that hell is eternal. They tell us it is incredible that a compassionate God will punish men forever. He will surely open the prison doors at last. This also is a mighty help to the devil's cause. Take your ease, he whispers to sinners. If you do make a mistake, never mind. It is not forever. I know also that some believe there is a hell, but never allow that anybody is going there. All people with them are good. As soon as they die, all were sincere, all meant well, and all, they hope, got to heaven. <laughs> Alas, what a common delusion is this. I can well understand the feeling of the little girl who asked her mother where all the wicked people were buried, for she found no mention on the gravestones of any except of the good. And I know very well that some believe there is a hell, but never like to hear it spoken of. It is a subject that should always be kept back, in their opinion. They see no profit in bringing it forward and are rather shocked when it is mentioned. This also is an immense help to the devil. Hush, hush, says Satan. Say nothing about hell. The fowler wishes no noise to be made when he has laid his snares. The wolf would like the shepherd to sleep while he prowls round the fold. The devil rejoices when Christians are silent about hell. Reader, all these notions are the opinions of man. What is it to you and me what man thinks of religion? Man will not judge us at the last day. There is but one point to be settled. What says the word of God? Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell is real and true. 
It is as true as heaven, as true as justification by faith, as true as the fact that Christ died upon the cross. There is not a fact or doctrine which you may not lawfully doubt if you doubt hell. Disbelieve hell, you unscrew, unsettle, and unpin everything in the scripture. You may as well throw your Bible aside at once. From no hell to no God is but a series of steps. Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it, hell will have inhabitants. The wicked shall certainly be turned into hell and all the people that forget God. The same blessed Savior who now sits on the throne of grace will one day sit on a throne of judgment and men will see there is such a thing as the wrath of the Lamb. The same lips which now say, Come, come unto me, will one day say, Depart, ye cursed. Alas, how awful the thought of being condemned by Christ himself, judged by the Savior, sentenced to misery by the Lamb. Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell will be an intense and inalterable woe. It is vain to talk of all the expressions about it being figures of speech. The pit, the prison, the worm, the fire, the thirst, the blackness, the darkness, the weeping, the gnashing of teeth, the second death, all these may be figures of speech if you please. But Bible figures mean something beyond all questions, and here they mean something which man's mind can never fully conceive. Oh, readers, the miseries of the mind and conscience are far worse than those of the body. The whole extent of hell, the present suffering, the bitter recollection of the past, the hopeless prospect of the future will never be thoroughly known except by those who go there. Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell is eternal. It must be eternal, or words have no meaning at all. Forever and ever, everlasting, unquenchable, never dying, all these are expressions used about hell and expressions that cannot be explained away. It must be eternal, or the very foundations of heaven are cast down. If hell has an end, heaven has an end too. They both stand or fall together. It must be eternal, or every doctrine of the gospel is undermined. If a man may escape hell at length without faith in Christ, or sanctification of the Spirit, sin is no longer an infinite evil. And there was no such great need of Christ's making an atonement. And where is the warrant for saying that hell can ever change a heart or make it fit for heaven? It must be eternal, or hell would cease to be hell altogether. Give a man hope, and he will bear anything. Grant a hope of deliverance, however distant, and hell is but a drop of water. Alas, for that day which will have no tomorrow, that day when men shall seek death and not find it, and shall desire to die, but death shall flee from them. Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell is a subject that ought not to be kept back. It is striking to observe that none say so much about it as our Lord Jesus Christ, that gracious and merciful Savior, and the Apostle John, whose heart seems full of love. Truly, it may well be doubted whether we ministers speak of it as much as we ought. 
I cannot forget the words of a dying hearer of Mr. Newton. Sir, you have often told me of Christ and salvation. Why did you not remind me of hell and danger? Let others hold their peace about hell if they will. I dare not do so. I see it plainly in Scripture, and I must speak of it. I fear that thousands are on the broad way that leads to it, and I would fain arouse them to a sense of the peril before them. What would you say of the man who saw his neighbor's house in danger of being burned down and never raised the cry of fire? What ought to be said of us as ministers if we call ourselves watchmen for souls and yet see fires of hell raging in distance and never give the alarm? Call it bad taste, if you like, to speak of hell. Call it charity to make things pleasant and speak of smoothly and soothe men with a constant lullaby of peace. I have not read my Bible. My notion of charity is to warn men plainly of danger. My notion of taste in the ministerial office is to declare all the counsel of God. If I never spoke of hell, I should think I had kept back something that was profitable and should look on myself as an accomplice of the devil. Reader, I beseech you in all tender affection, beware of false views of the subject on which I have been dwelling. Beware of new and strange doctrines about hell and the eternity of punishment. Beware of manufacturing a God of your own, a God who is all mercy but not just, a God who is all love but not holy, a God who has a heaven for everybody but a hell for none, a God who can allow good and bad to be side by side in time but will make no distinction between good and bad in eternity. Such a God is an idol of your own, as truly an idol as any snake or crocodile in an Egyptian temple. The hands of your own fancy and sentimentality have made him. He is not the God of the Bible, and beside the God of the Bible there is no God at all. Your heaven would be no heaven at all. A heaven containing all sorts of characters indiscriminately would be miserable discord indeed. Alas, for the eternity of such a heaven. There would be little difference between it and hell. Ah, oh, reader, there is a hell. There is a fire. Take heed, lest you find it out to your cost too late. Beware of being wise above that which is written. Beware of forming fanciful theories of your own and then trying to make the Bible square with them. Beware of making selections from your Bible to suit your taste. Dare not to say, I believe this verse, for I like it. I refuse that, for I cannot reconcile it with my views. Nay, but, O oh man, who art thou that repliest against God? By what right do you talk in this way? Surely it were better to say over every chapter in the word, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Ah! If men would do this, they would never deny the unquenchable fire. That was J.C. Ryle and his sermon tracks, Are You Ready? and Fire, Fire, portrayed by Jeff Parker. You and I are very like this, but we love hearing things straight. 
Give yeah. me the bottom line. Yeah. And I'll I'll reply back in the bottom line. Yeah, don't mince words. No. Don't get too flowery with Please. me. Let me know exactly what's going on. Yeah, don't hold me up yeah. while you explain. And both of these presentations were exactly like that, they were. which is the advantage of a tract. It's short, and you have to get to the point to get your message to someone quickly. Yes. Uh, now, I mentioned in the beginning this kitchen renovation project I'm doing. Yes. And I brought it up because sometimes I can handle most things, and I feel like I'm dealing with the stress pretty well. But sometimes the stress can be overwhelming. Maybe it's something bigger than a, than a, a, a ridiculous kitchen renovation project. It could be your health. Yeah. It could be a family member. It could be the, the stress of anything, the work-related, family-related kids, whatever. Just even knowing who you want to be related, right? Identity. Yeah, yeah. Yes. your future. Mm -hmm. And that stress can change us physically. Yeah. Am I ready for that kind of change? What if, what if the stress just so overwhelms me, I can't work? What if the stress so overwhelms me with, with taking care of my parents or taking care of my kids that it's just so overwhelming? Am I ready for that? That's a very powerful message. And boy, we love to leave that out. Mm -hmm. I think it's easier. We would prefer peace. We would prefer help me with this. Give me an injection. Give me a pill. Give me some advice, whatever it takes. But don't make me feel bad. Yeah. And when we bring in an eternity in hell, that makes us feel bad. And it makes us say, well, I have to judge myself now and know if I'm going there. And I sure want to come out right. It yeah. introduces a host of really uncomfortable things in us. Yeah. And he, it was in the writing at least, and definitely in the way it was portrayed. It sounds like he's angry. He's not angry at the sinner. Agreed. I feel like he was angry at us for leaving the message of hell out of the gospel. Yeah. At least for me, my takeaway from this is be straightforward. Don't mince words. With compassion, are you ready? Do you know your house is on fire? We can't leave that out of the gospel. This has been History's Greatest Sermons, an unshackled production of Pacific Garden Mission, produced and directed by Timothy Gregory. To hear more unshackled content, you can download our app, get it for free at any of the major app stores. For more information, visit unshackled.org. Join us next time as we experience another one of history's greatest sermons.